0: Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your children who have come here to worship, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us so perfectly. I want to say thank you to and hello to all those who will listen to this message in the future and other places. I want to say a special shout-out to Frankfurt, Germany. Hello, I see you, and I... I'm thankful and praying for you. Singapore, God bless you. Brazil, the Philippines, God bless you all. The United Kingdom, God bless you. Canada, and especially all of you here in the United States, all over Chicago. I see you. God bless you all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I want to get right into the word. Galatians 5.6 says, For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. The Amplified says, Only faith activated and expressed in working through love. I like that. I like that. But if you're getting tripped up on that first part of the scripture, it's like, okay, circumcision or uncircumcision, The wasn't really worried about it. I don't know what, you know. <laughs> so let me, he's talking about old old, uh, old covenant, new covenant, you know. And so let me read this. I, I, I got one, the the translation is, it's for the message Bible. I really like it because of a particular word. But it's, uh, the message, as it does, it doesn't always go scripture for scripture. It'll do a group of scriptures and then paraphrase it all and put it in sort of prose form. So, the message Galatians four uh, five verses four through six it says this: I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens when you attempt to live out live by your own religious plans and projects. You are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. Yep. Meanwhile. We expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. Capital S. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion or disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior. Faith expressed in love. I love, they said interior, something... On the inside. Something undisclosed by the outer appearance. God is pointing us here not only to a life of faith, but faith motivated and then thereby expressed by love. Amen. God's kind of love, that is. The love that's obedient to Christ... To the word of God. It's not rebellious. It's not proud. Something only he can truly discern and judge. Our motivation. This is something that I, uh, in my early walk with the Lord, I hit a sort of a roadblock. Boom. Boom. In the word, with my relationship as we was building and growing, and I was so hungry, I was just absorbing everything. I was on fire, like we talked about a minute ago. And have done, tried not to let that fire go out at all. But I had uh, let me let me let me talk to you about this first. So when remember when uh, David was anointed king. Uh, the prophet Samuel uh, You know after Saul was rejected by God Then he told him to go to Bethlehem To Jesse's house uh, that, um, And he would he was going to anoint one of his sons king So that's all Samuel knew He went there They had a festival He invited them And so one by one Jesse brings his sons out And the Lord's like new. Nope. Nope. Well, the first one, you know, it's like the first one who who Jesse thought, and so Samuel did too, because it sort of reminded him of Saul. He was nice in stature, good looking, had everything going for him on the outside, right? But he said no, and he put all these seven brothers before him, and he declined all of them, and, and he's like, no. And he's like, don't you have any more sons? He goes, well, there's just one, <laughs> the youngest, and he's he's out there watching the sheep. He, he didn't even want them, you know. He said, Go get him. And so, 1 Samuel 16 7 But the Lord said to Samuel, here's what he told him when he when he thought that it was this older brother. He said, Don't look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. That's awesome. See, people have a tendency of being trapped into following the world's wisdom for their lives, for their health, for their finances, for their marriages, for parenting, for their relationships. People drive themselves crazy, literally sometimes, to keep the upper hand. And all of their dealings with other folks. To have things their way. And especially when it comes to love. Now, I'm talking about what the world calls love. But the world is looking for love in all the wrong places. As old Johnny Lee used to sing. Old boy from Hitchcock. But God's looking for love. In all the right places. Your heart. Alright. Proverbs twenty three seven says. As a man thinketh in his heart. So is he. So. Back to that roadblock. That I hit in my early relationship with the Lord. Numbers ch- uh, chapter 22. If you look over there. You may recall the story of Balaam. Or this is one of the. Places where Balaam is discussed in scripture. And. Uh, to kind of get to the the crux of the matter the Israelites had been brought out of Egypt they were sweeping across the desert heading for the promised land we know the problems they had with that but as they were going in they began to uh, basically wipe out some of these kings that opposed them just because God was with them alright and this king of uh, Moab named Balak heard, you know, he knew what they were doing and that God was with him. And he was scared because they were heading for him next, you see. And he called this, this warlock, for lack of a better term, named Balaam, to come and curse the Israelites so that they would not be able to destroy him. Well, this guy, while he did dabble in all sorts of you know, he—I guess—he was a, a hippie of the days. He believed in everything. He—he he knew there was a God that was with the Israelites, so and he respected him. But he also did—I <laughs> guess that's a good analogy since we were talking about that already today. But he believed in, in other stuff that he shouldn't have. And uh, you know, God is—God uh, is—is uh, one who's more into an exclusive relationship. You know. I would say, uh, without a doubt. But so he goes out, and he and these and and uh, Balak sends these people to him. And he says he does right at first. He's like, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't curse these people. I can only do what God says, you know. And he goes, and uh, they really try to lure him in. I'm trying not to go there and read the whole chapter to you. So they try to lure him in with money, with riches, with honor, with With all the things that affect and motivate people in a worldly way. And he said no. He went and sought the Lord about it. And the Lord told him no. And then this king sends more uh, honorable, highly esteemed folks, you know, and a bigger entourage and more wealth and, and offerings, right? And he's like, no, I already told you, no, it doesn't matter, whatever, you know, I want to do, whatever, the I can't do anything except what God says. And then I guess he got to looking around and thinking about all this would mean to him and the comfort level of his life. And he said, but let me go back and check with God one more time. (laughs) How many of you know what he already told you? Something. Okay. He went back and he asked him. And here's, here's, here's where I tripped up. Okay, I'm just going to read this to you. And you just fill in all those blanks. You can go back and read this whole chapter if you want. But in, cha- in verse 20 of chapter 22 in Numbers, he said, And God came to Balaam at night and said to him... This was after he already told him no. Okay? He says... And, but he asked him again. He, he came back and he said, If the men have come to call you, Rise. Go with them, but only do what I tell you. So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. Doesn't done anything wrong yet, has he? I mean, doesn't appear, has has he? I mean, didn't God just tell him? And so he got up and set out to do what the next verse says in 22. But God's anger was kindled because he went. And I said, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I'm confused. I have to know I can trust you, Lord. So even if you tell me something, you still get mad. Might get mad at me if I do it. And I said, I can't. I really can't get past this, sir. I need to know what this is all about. And that's fair. That's fair when you're really seeking the truth. And it's not in pride or arrogance or anything. Because, I mean, he set out on his donkey. And this is a really awesome chapter. But, but, but the donkey saw something that Balaam didn't. Because the angel of the Lord was standing in the road with his sword drawn. And he was going to kill Balaam. And the donkey kept going off the road. And and he would hit the donkey. What are you doing? You know, he'd get onto him, and three times he he did this. The last time he crushed him up against the wall because it was too narrow of a passage, and he just pushed up against the wall, and I guess he probably crushed his leg. And he got furious at that donkey, and the donkey talked back to him. <laughs> I'm going to read these two scriptures for you. Numbers chapter 22, verse 20 through 22. It says, And God said to Balaam at night and said to him, If these men have come, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Verse 22. But God's anger was kindled because he went. The angel of the Lord stood in his, uh, took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. And... I tell you what happened. I go down to verse thirty-two, and the angel of the Lord said to him, "Why have you struck your donkey?" This is after the donkey talked to him <laughs> these three times. Behold, I have come out to oppose you, because your way is perverse before me. His heart wasn't right toward God, you see, and God knew it. Man didn't know it. Not quite sure if Balaam even knew it. But I guarantee you, he was churning over some ideas in his mind of how he could do what God wanted and get what he wanted at the same time. And God knew it. And he was going to kill him for it. And thank God that donkey talked to him. Talked some sense into him. (laughs) Never rule anybody out. God might send a jackass and talk to you. (laughs) You hear God, listen up. (laughs) Through this, the Lord began to show me it was about motivation. And that He looks at the heart. And He knows. He knows a lot more than we do, even about ourselves. And this was important. Because if if the motive isn't right, then our hearts aren't right, then our religion doesn't matter, you see. And he began to teach me about the new creation. Because there's a tendency for Christians and, and the whole world to think of Christianity as behavior modification. And it's not. Behavior modification will come automatically as a fruit of that relationship with Christ if it's the real deal. But prior to that born again experience, no matter... What behavior modifications you implement on your own, it is not going to produce a relationship with, with Jesus. You can't put the cart before the horse. You see? Be out in my old garden, you see? And, and, uh, and like on my place out in, in uh, the big country, we've got a lot of mesquite trees. They're not good for much unless you like barbecuing, but. If you ever had a mesquite thorn in you, you won't like mesquites too much and they're not really beautiful for much of all anything. But before before I knew the Lord he showed me I just like an old mesquite tree, you know? Just thorns, and thistles. And when I came to him out of his love he put the axe to the root, And then he planted a good seed and I came back not as a a dressed up mesquite tree but as a, a, a beautiful young apple tree. And so now I can produce apples. I don't have to try to produce apples. I'm an apple tree. That mesquite tree As long as it was still alive, you could hang apples over it all day long and dress it up like an apple tree. It still ain't an apple tree. Hello. (laughs)
1: Let's
0: go over to John. I'll keep trying to make my point here. (laughs) Go to the book of John. I'm going to read it all today. Not really. Randy was telling me something about the book of John earlier. So I I promised him I'd take a peek in there today. John chapter 14, verses 14 through 16. Jesus speaking. This is, of course, on the the last night, uh, that precious night of his betrayal, the Lord's Supper. John 14 verse 14 through 16 Jesus said If you ask me for anything in my name I'll do it Talking to his disciples And now to you True believers If you love me You'll keep my commandments I'll ask the Father And he'll give you another advocate Or helper To be with you forever That's the Holy Ghost So, out of our love for Him comes an obedience of faith and positions us to always be in fellowship. The Holy Spirit neither being quenched, which doesn't allow Him to to flow through us, nor grieved, which doesn't allow Him to fellowship with us. You can do both just God flowing through us though now listen when you hear this is that if you ask anything in my name I'll do it okay that's that's great that's good news but what about 15th verse if you love me you will keep my commandments do you do you hear that as an awesome promise or a burdensome command because see he's not saying by keeping my commandments you'll earn my love He's saying by being my disciple, he's just assuming that you are in love with him. You see? And he's saying, because of this, you're going to keep my commandments and we're going to we're going to have fellowship. We're going to it's going to be awesome. <laughs> but do you see it that way? You need to. Amen. John 14 21. I'm going to run through a few of these scriptures. Whoever has My commandments, He said, and keeps them... See, there's a lot... The correlation between believing and obedience... Really, He makes no distinction. Some of you will get that later. Whoever has My commandments and keeps them is the one who loves Me. In other words... I can tell who are mine. God knows the ones who are His. They didn't earn that relationship by obeying the commandments. But from that relationship, He sees them obeying His commandments. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love Him and reveal myself to Him. Again, again, This is a beautiful promise of fellowship and family and love. He's excited. He's excited for us. He's excited for us to be a part of Him and with Him. To know Him. John 14, 23. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He will. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Again, He's describing this... Amazing relationship with God. John fifteen ten if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. You say, is he's not again, you gotta read the Bible through the new covenant lenses of grace and truth. He's not saying, If you keep my commandments, I'll keep loving you. That's what that can sound like. If you're legalistic, if you keep my commandments, you'll remain in my love. In other words, you have a choice. We have nothing compelling us any longer once we're born again to to sin. We're free. Free to serve God. Nothing compelling us, but we still have the ability to sin with the best of them, don't we? So he's saying, stay, stay in line. Stay in this protective bubble that I've created and provided for you through the atonement. Don't, don't get out there where it's dangerous. Stay in my love. Don't separate yourself from it. I'm right here. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change my mind. I'm not going to change the way I feel about you. I hope you won't either. 1 John, the epistles in the back. 1 John two three. By this we can be sure that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Again, I'm saying all this so you start reading it differently. You start seeing it differently. You start hearing it differently. Because when you hear that, you think about ten rules chiseled in stone sometimes. I know you do. And you've got to stop it. Those weren't ever meant for you. <coughs> What do you mean? Oh, I guess I can just go out and murder and commit adultery now then. No. Nope. 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 Well, you still don't really need them posted on your wall at home. Because now they've been written on your heart. When you post them on the wall, it's just something for the devil to go, look, hey, look at this one. Look at this one. I bet you forgot about this one. You did that. Remember? Who you think you are? You're still a hypocrite. I know who you are. Go to church all you want. It ain't for you. The accuser of the brethren. Yeah.
1: Yes.
0: God don't want you living like that. He doesn't even want you to have a sin consciousness. He wants you to be God conscious. And out of that relationship, you'll bear holy fruit effortlessly. Focus on His love for you. First John 5:3 for this is the 5 three for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Second John 1:6 and this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the very commandment you have heard from the beginning that you must walk in love. you see, the grace of God doesn't entitle us to sin. The grace of God empowers us to live free from sin. Amen. Titus two, eleven and twelve. Last week I was talking about what I'd call it, being truly successful. I think that's what I named it. I never I never give a name to a message until I go to finish all the IT stuff and we get it posted up. I'm like, I gotta put a name on this. Being truly successful. We're talking about being totally dependent upon the mercy of God. You remember that? And living to do the will of God for our lives. And His will for us, just to continue on in that vein, is to live a life of love. Amen. A life in agreement with His Word and Jesus. Same thing, by the way. This is Jesus without eyeballs. <laughs> you know, just to use a little analogy, I, I used to I used to have a gambling uh, I get well, gambling is a problem. <laughs> so I had a gambling problem. I hesitate to say that. And then I don't. I'll tell you what that means. Tavana would say, he, he didn't have a problem. He was good at it. He made money. I did.
1: <laughs> I did.
0: I made money gambling. But trust me, that's not something you can count on. And uh, it will be short-lived. And it will destroy your life at some point. And I, I gambled big, you know. And anyway, point is, I was a card player. I liked blackjack mostly but once in a while i'll go over to the dice tables just to break it up a little bit because it's kind of fun you know (laughs) hey sin is fun that's why they call it sin (laughs) you know but it's still a trap and a trick of the devil so i'm not glorifying gambling i'm trying to make a point because when God got a hold of me, He took all the old ugly from the world and gave me the real deal instead of the cheap counterfeits that are out there. Like instead of the spirits that are written on the wall of the, of the glass of the liquor store, I got the Holy Spirit now. The most high. You see, I don't need any of that. I told the Lord, next drink I have will be at your table if you allow, sir. Amen. So anyway... Living a a life in agreement with God. Living according to His love. That we're we're focusing on. So I I was thinking, when you're rolling those dice, seven, when you're coming out, it's always good on that first roll. You're always always, uh, a winner if you roll sevens on the first roll. And uh, I said, well... I was looking through here, I said, you know, I want to teach them how to roll sevens all the time in life. And so <laughs> and so, I'm going to just tell you what I come up with out of that. This is God's kind of love. True love. And what's it look like, though? Because God's calling us to live a life of love and we have the worldly love, which is not really love, it's lust. And then he's saying, walk in love and say, well... You're right, all I've ever known is the other kind, so what is it really, what's the manifestation of it? What's it love, according to God, really look like in the outworking in in my day-to-day life? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is what's known as the love chapter, right? And there are in the, in um, a few verses there, I think it's verse 4 through 7, Um. There are seven negatives and seven positives listed describing the love of God. And I just want to list those for you so you have an idea of what true love really is. And you can always weigh things, bounce them off of these things in your day-to-day so you can tell that that's, that's love, that's not really love. You see what I'm saying? It helps me. I have it hanging on my wall at home next to my elliptical, which I need to use more often. But I do use it, honey, so we're not taking it out of the living room yet. I hear you. Okay. So I'm gonna list the seven negatives first. One, love does not envy and does not or it's not jealous. Two, love does not boast or brag. Three, love is not proud or arrogant. Four, love is not rude or act unbecomingly. Five, love is not self-seeking or does not seek its own will or way. Six, love is not easily angered or provoked. Seven, love keeps no record of wrongs or does not take into account a wrong suffered. So those negatives I'd sum up by saying true love allows us to be confident. And free of insecurities. Then the seven positives. Number one, love is patient. Two, love is kind. Three, love rejoices with the truth. Four, love always protects or bears all things. Five, love always trusts or believes all things. Six, love always hopes or hopes all things. And seven, love always perseveres or endures all things. To sum up those positives, I would say that true love allows us to stand strong always. Amen. Amen. So finally, you're blessed today. I'm going to keep this very short. I know this is uh, Valentine's Eve and Super Bowl and Trucker's Day and all kind of stuff going on. So... So, we're making a lovely point here today. But finally, love lays down its life. Now, sometimes you read these things so fast that it just sounds good and sounds pretty, but if you ever stop on that and think about it and apply it to yourself, that can be quite terrifying. Love lays down its life. I can't skip over it because Jesus said it. Amen. Amen. And he's the, <laughs> he's the author of our faith. And the finisher. The perfecter. John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. Jesus said this. This is my commandment. You see, there's only one command now, folks. You say, oh, huh. I hear this debate all the time. The Ten Commandments aren't for us. I said that a minute ago. I don't want you constantly reminding yourself because it makes you too introspective and it reminds you of all your failures, folks. Am I saying it's okay then to go and do those things? No, because by this one command that Jesus gave us and there's only one, you will meet those other demands and exceed them without even trying. Alright, John 15, verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment, says the Lord, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Jesus was the perfect example of this. And he commanded his disciples, which equates to you and I to do the same now for the believer the Christian love is not optional folks I talk to people all the time that feel like it is (laughs) and they'll give you excuses to make it color it different you know I talk about always paint however you want to You can put lipstick on that pig if you want. (laughs) Still a pig. Love's not optional. Now, some things are optional. Like we were talking about this morning, Randy. Some things are optional regarding our our doctrine or our our, our doings, etc. And we shouldn't let those differences come between us. I'm talking about the church at large, worldwide. You know, we need to be careful not to... Now, there are some that are just... A, that's a cult. You know, if you don't believe... There are deal-breakers. We, we believe in the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's God in three persons. Yet He is one. Amen. Amen. You can't understand that with your peanut brain. But it's fact. Now, without that... The, we really can't include them in Christianity because that is Christianity. Amen. Okay. But as far as pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, who cares? I have my opinion. You can have yours. It's not going to change the fact as long as you believe Jesus is coming back for us at some point. Not a deal breaker. You can sprinkle, you can splash, you can dunk them. I believe in hold them under till they truly repent. <laughs> but not a deal breaker. <laughs> some things aren't, some things are. But love's not optional. It's a command and it came from our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the pattern or the standard By which we love each other. It hadn't changed. It's not optional. Jesus said love each other as I have loved you. So love lays down its life. Laboring on this because. It's something we don't slow down and really think about. Because we think love lays down its life. And I'm called to do the same. Jesus died hanging on a cross. Well were you called to die on a cross to bear all of our sins. You're not God. <laughs> Neither am I. Now there are Christians who have been martyred on crosses. Peter, I tell you, was martyred upside down on a cross next to his wife. It happens. I doubt very seriously that it will happen to any of you. But if it came to that, I pray that you'd supernaturally, the Holy Spirit would give you a supernatural anointing to endure that and you will be martyred right there and blessed in heaven. But it wouldn't be God that did it. It will be the devil. Okay, so what does it mean to lay down our line? The Greek, this, this is something helped me a lot. So I want you to understand it too, because it, it's not just you have to find a way to go die for your friends. <laughs> Move out of the way. I did it, Lord. Religion to make people do some stupid things. The Greek translation for the word <laughs> used here in the New Testament was written in Greek. For, for life, lays down his life for his friends, his soul. And our soulish realm is made up of our, our personality, our, our free will, our mind, our intellect, our will and emotions. So summed up, we could put it with, with just three verbs, I guess. You could, you could sum it up. The will says, I want. The emotions say, I feel. And the intellect says, I think. Fair enough? But true love is motivated by what's good for the other person, right? So when it conflicts, for the good of the one loved, we set aside what we want what we feel, what we think. That's laying down your life. Okay? Okay. Does that help anybody? I struggled with that scripture. I was like, I'll do it because you said it. I mean, if it comes to it, I guess you'll show me when it's time. But just let me know when I need to run into that flaming building. (laughs) I think Jesus gets tickled at us sometimes. I tell you, the time he laughed at me, and then he told me he loved me. But anyway, I'm going to finish this up here. Go to, go to John, First John, in the back again, chapter three, verse sixteen. We know we all know John three sixteen. You might see it at the well. They probably don't allow it at football games anymore. It used to hang at all football games. John three sixteen, but this is First John three sixteen from the epistles in the back through twenty. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. So, Jesus showed us, He gave us the pattern and the command regarding love. If we receive God's love, if we truly receive Him as our Lord and Savior, which is receiving God's love, then we're obligated to love others, aren't we? Haven't we at least shown that? (laughs) And I'll tell you this. Based on that scripture right there, there's no condemnation when we're acting in true love. Do you ever live a life feeling condemned and rejected? There's no condemnation when we're acting in love. The true rest that we're striving for, I preach it out of the book of Hebrews. I I went to Friday. It was the most beautiful day of the year. 70 degrees and I couldn't find a cloud in the sky. So I was on my way down south to look at a job and I called them. I just happened to call them. I said, a long drive. Let me call this customer. And they said, oh, well, could you come another day? I said, sure. So I went and got my oil changed. Stood outside the whole time. I like that one that's like a, a train station over there on, uh, anyway, next to Discount Tire, Cypher Station. Yeah, I stood outside, they changed my oil, I'm talking to everybody. Went and they washed it for free after you get your oil changed. And then I drove next door to Discount Tire because I'm supposed to get my tires rotated every time I get the oil changed. And I forgot the last two or three times, so I went and did that. They said you stay in your truck if you want. I said okay. I just got my uh, King James is the one that stays on my dash. This is English Standard Version. So I just read. I stayed in my truck the whole time. I read half of Hebrews. They put me in there. I drove it in on the ramp. Stayed in my truck. Just kept reading. It drove out. Pretty cool, man. I made a day of it. Filled my tank. Bought some batteries at Costco. only place I can afford to buy batteries. My goodness. Hebrews 4.11 talks about us struggling, striving, endeavoring to enter rest. There's another one that used to throw me off. Isn't rest just rest? How do I have to try so hard to rest? It's not that hard for me. Talking about His rest there's no condemnation when we're walking in love and the true rest that we're striving and struggling and endeavoring to enter into it's only available when we really walk in in love Amen. that's where you're going to find it at the end of you because at the end of you is where you lay down your life your, what you want what you think what you feel for the good of someone else you see That's good stuff, folks. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Come to me, Jesus said. He's an invitation. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Did I ever tell you God is love? Come to me. How about you just say, come to love. And I'll give you that rest that I told you to struggle to get into. Here's the easy way. Come to me. I'm love. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly of heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. Wow. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because he always walks in love. No law against love remember what he did for Peter I'm done but remember what he did for Peter now, I love Peter he <laughs> what a hard head man you notice all the scriptures about love today came out come from John the one who laid his head on Jesus test at the dinner that night you know the only one that was a spiritual employment at the foot of the cross all the rest of them had taken off hiding and fishing and john was there with mary at the foot of the cross he had a revelation of jesus love for him you know i think that paul who didn't even know jesus when he was alive had a greater revelation of Jesus than those who actually had to spend day to day with Him because they saw Him so much after the flesh. They struggled with it. But Peter denied Him three times on that faithful night and it broke his heart. Do you remember that? It just destroyed Him. He had served Him so vehemently and just wanted to do good so bad. And then he, just like the Lord said, he denied Him three times before that rooster crowed and it broke his heart. But when the Lord was resurrected, at a time I call breakfast on the beach in John chapter 21. I love it. But He called Peter. He went over to Peter and talked to Peter. and He asked him three times if He loved him. He denied him three times, so He was just giving him an opportunity to undo that you see and it really broke Peter's heart again but in a good way this time he restored him that day you see because that's his nature He, he loves us don't ever think you've gone too far the fact that you're still hungry for God the fact that you care what he says or shows you're not not too far gone. The people that have been turned over to the enemy are the ones that have just hardened their heart to the point they don't care what God says or thinks anymore. It can't be reached. It's not God's fault. It wasn't His will. It was their choice. Amen. As long as you still want God, He wants you. Hallelujah. He loves you. He is love. And He wants you to rest in that love. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace and mercy and your love, Lord. We thank you that you showed us what love looks like. We thank you that your command to love others is as we love ourselves and to love you. It's not burdensome. It's not hard. It's who we are. (laughs) Help us to take hold of our true identity in you as children of the Most High God. The kingdom of God dwells within us. Help us to draw upon that well of wonder and grace and peace and truth and love and power and authority and humility. We thank you for loving us so much, Lord. Help us to go and help others with the same help we've received from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: I can. Yeah. Yeah. the I I And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know what do <laughs> <like they're laughs> <laughs> i uh, give all huh. uh, Oh, you, uh, did? you did? Yeah. yeah. Like, did I did Well, what. I right? right. right? yeah. yeah. yeah, thinking about that. You yeah. 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 know, oh, i the pictures to be, that need that to be about I need to to be I that can take so yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah I have been thinking about that. I can do that. Gonna, yeah I have been thinking about yeah I have you thinking. That's yeah I yeah I think I yeah I I